The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. What if we were to throw out all of the crap we don't like about religion and we were just to focus on the qualities of religious practice and faith that make the world a better place? We often have kind of like blowhards telling us we're going to burn in hell, but we need to find that beautiful, essential humility that faith can bring about the mystery of being alive and being in the universe. Good morning. Welcome back to the next Big Idea Daily. I'm your host, Michael Kovnett. Today's guest is someone you may know from The Office. No, I don't mean your workplace. I mean The Office, the hit comedy that ran on NBC for nine seasons. If you ever watch that show, you'll never forget Beat Farmer and assistant to the regional manager, Dwight Schrute, portrayed by Rain Wilson. What you might not know is that in addition to his acting chops, Rain has a longstanding interest in spiritual matters. An active member of the Baha'i faith, Rain started the YouTube channel Soul Pancake and is the author of the New York Times bestseller Soul Boom, Why We Need a Spiritual Revolution. Our curator Adam Grant says the book will light up your brain, warm your heart, and tickle your funny bone. Here's Rain to share some of his big ideas. Hi everybody, it's me, Rain Wilson, and this is a book bite. Book Bites, roly-poly Book Bites from the next Big Idea Club, Book Bites. Early on in Soul Boom, Why We Need a Spiritual Revolution, I have a chapter called A Plethora of Pandemics. And I think it's important to set what the stakes are. So I look a lot at a, a whole bunch of pandemics that are out there besides covid We've just come through a particularly nasty uh, pandemic. It was a pandemic that allowed me to write this book. Um, but when you really take the telescope and point it at society and float above planet Earth and let it become a macroscope pointing down, we see that there's a lot of pandemics going on. Uh, I point some of these out, like nationalism and militarism, unjust economic extremes. You know, we've got... Statistics point to like 20 of the richest men on the planet having more resources than half of the planet's population. Materialism is a pandemic. Sexism and racism are, obviously. Uh, there's so many of these pandemics. You know, climate change is kind of the granddaddy of all the pandemics. And you can't just put climate change down to like reducing CO2. To really combat climate change, we need to reinvent our entire relationship with planet Earth. Uh, and that's why it is such an overarching kind of pandemic that humanity is currently fighting. And really the one that I dig into the most is this current mental health epidemic that young people are suffering from to such a large degree. I mean, the statistics are blood curdling. They are mind boggling. Uh, this has to do with what they call deaths of despair, anxiety, depression, loneliness, alienation, um, suicidal ideation. Suicide is now the number one killer of young people. The list goes on and on and on. And these pandemics can't simply be addressed with legislation. It's not about 
increasing funding here and there and, and changing laws here and there. There is an underlying disease dis-ease underneath these pandemics. And that's really kind of the point of the spiritual revolution. Uh, we need to address the spiritual imbalances that underlie how we do pretty much everything on planet Earth if we're going to tackle these giant pandemics that are really eating away uh, at society. One of my favorite chapters in Soul Boom, Why We Need a Spiritual Revolution, is on death. It's called Death and How to Live It. And in this chapter, I tell the story of losing my father during uh, during the pandemic. Uh, he died of heart disease, getting an open-heart surgery. His heart disease was too widespread to be able to fix through surgery, and it was a very tragic loss. And it really shifted a lot of perspectives for me. So I wanted to share some of that with the readers and examine death uh, from, again, a macroscopic lens and kind of look at how humanity has dealt with death and um, pondered death uh, throughout history. But one of the biggest realizations I had, and maybe other readers uh, or listeners have felt this way, is that when I saw my father's uh, body on the table before we were going to um, wash it, purify it, wrap it for burial, um, I had this just staggering realization as I looked down on him. And that was, this body is not my father. This is not the reality of Robert George Wilson. This was simply a vessel. This was the vessel in which his spirit, his light, his soul, whatever you want to call it, inhabited his consciousness, um, rode around in for 79 years. And I think that this way of seeing the world and seeing death is invaluable to anyone's spiritual journey, both on a kind of personal transformational level and on a societal one. Because fundamentally, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Uh, that is my thesis. I go into this when I examine consciousness and the reality of consciousness, the mystery of consciousness. And it's uh, this frames what it means to be alive. It gives us meaning and purpose. If our light, if our soul, if our spirit continues on uh, some kind of journey after our physical meat suits drop away, then that kind of changes things. Death is not the end. Uh, the death of our physical bodies uh, is not the end. Just like I compare it to a baby's in the womb. You know, when a baby emerges from the womb, it might feel like that's the end, that's death, that's the end of that. But it is simply the, the death of that reality and moving into a much greater reality. So I bring up writings from all the world's faith traditions about death. I talk about the Stoics, Native American traditions, Tibetan Buddhist meditations about death, that death is a subject we like to avoid in Western culture, but it is one that we can gain a lot of wisdom from pondering, and it can enrich our lives and revitalize what it is to be alive by looking at death. Uh, so one of the topics I get into in Soul Boom is religion. And uh, I feel like what humanity has done 
is because we have rejected religion so forcefully, and a lot of times for a very, very good reason, by the way, we've also kind of thrown the spiritual baby out with the religious bathwater. There's a lot of spiritual truth and wisdom to be found from the world's faith traditions that we have just kind of wholesale rejected out of hand. So I talk about a trip to Jerusalem that I took and kind of some realizations I made about uh, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, and uh, which you can only make when you're there at their center in Jerusalem. And I talk about the universalities of religions. People talk about how diverse they are and how much they disagree and how much they're not alike. But when you really break them down, there are some universal truths about all religious faith. You know, there's there's prayer and meditation. There's a sense of transcendence. There's a sense that we're not just material beings. There's a, there's a sense of a higher power, of a morality. You know, stuff like this, the juicy stuff that is foundational to religious belief and practice. And then I have a chapter called, Hey Kids, Let's Build the Perfect Religion. So what if we were to throw out all of the crap we don't like about religion and we were just to focus on the qualities of religious practice and faith that make the world a better place. So um, lots of fun stuff in here. I talk about the harmony of science and faith, that they don't have to be at odds. I talk about a life of service, underlining service to others, the centrality of justice, of practical spiritual tools, an emphasis on music and the arts, and humility is a really important quality, I think, to have with religious faith, because we often have kind of like blowhards telling us we're going to burn in hell. But we need to find that beautiful, essential humility that faith can bring about the mystery of being alive and being in the universe. And finally, I sum it all up with potlucks. Potlucks are so important, and we've lost sight of potlucks. One of the important pillars of a spiritual revolution is to foster joy, to create joy in the world, to create hope, to hold on to hope and squash cynicism. The world wants you to be cynical and wants you to be pessimistic. And this feeds back into the uh, mental health epidemic that's plaguing young people is a sense of hopelessness about climate change, about that things will ever change, about the disunity that we have in America's political system. So for us kind of warriors in the spiritual revolution, we need to just be bringing hope and bringing joy to people. That's part of our mission. And that's something that's very specific that everyone can be a part of. I also talk about how I say, don't just protest, build something. And this is what it's really all about. Like, it's very easy to protest. You can go on Twitter and say, hey, that's unfair and that sucks. And you can hold a placard out on a march and say, hey, stop that injustice. And certainly protesting injustice is really important. It's much harder to build something. It's much harder to cooperate, work with other people at the grassroots level and build new systems. And that is, is what a spiritual revolution is all about. Reinventing these adversarialist systems, working at the grassroots, creating hope, and not just protesting, but building something new. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is from Buckminster Fuller, who said, you never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, 
build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. Thank you, Rain. Well, I guess it goes to show you never know where your spiritual insights are going to come from. And you never know where your best career advice will come from either. Come back tomorrow when we'll hear from foreign correspondent Jane Ferguson. Even if you haven't spent a lot of time in conflict zones like Syria and Afghanistan like Jane has, I bet you'll want to hear her ideas on building a meaningful and fulfilling career. And if you can spare a moment, please leave us a rating or review in your podcast player. It will help others find our show, and we'd appreciate it. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow.